Young, black, and widowed. And no, we're not talking about the usual classification of young widows. We're talking about millennials and Gen Z. That's right, 20-somethings and 30-somethings, like myself, who lost their spouse just as life seemed to be beginning. I'm your host, Azure Johnson Redman, executive director of the new nonprofit Young, Black, and Widowed Incorporated. Today I'm speaking with Alex Freeman, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Hey guys, my name is Alex Freeman. I'm 35 years old. I live in Chattanooga, um, and I am a single widower father. Yeah, <laughs> make sure I get that right. Good job. <laughs> so uh, sorry to hear that, but um, so how did you become a widower and how long have you been a widower? Well, I've been a widower for about over a year and a year and a half. Um, my fiance, uh, she died in a car accident uh, while taking our son to daycare. Uh, it was really early in the morning. Um, and the story was that, uh, the story goes, um, both she and I worked early in the morning. We were, we got, we had to be at work at around, uh, six and seven o'clock. I had to be at work at six. She had to be at work at seven. And so, um, at the time we only had one car between us and, uh, our son was also going to daycare at that time. And so, I would drive myself to work. Uh, I would give her my car. She would take our son. She would then take our son to daycare. And then she would, you know, go to work. Well, um, one morning, you know, everything was as normal. We got up and, you know, got dressed, got him dressed and everything. And um, it had rained the previous night. And so the roads were very slick. So um, just like every other day, I drove myself to work and um, got out of, we, I got out of the car. She came and got in the driver's seat. You know, I gave her a hug and kiss goodbye. I gave my son a hug and kiss goodbye. And I didn't realize that that would be the last time I would see her. Um, she left and 15 minutes later, she had a head-on collision with a bus. Uh, she was the only casualty. Uh, luckily, my son survived, but uh, it was said that she died on impact. I see. And then he actually went to therapy, of course, to deal with that very difficult yes. situation, right? Yes. Um, so, uh, of course, uh, after seeing, seeing his mother pass away before his eyes, it actually traumatized him quite a bit. Uh, we sent him to therapy. Uh, the, the therapy sessions really helped. Uh, he was able to actually convey more emotion during therapy than he was uh, talking to me or, you know, my parents. Uh, and it was a, there was a huge change. There was a huge change because uh, after the accident, uh, he, was, he was in shock. Uh, he wasn't the same anymore. He was just really, he just seemed really uh, out of it. And that's, that's strange for a three-year-old kid. 
uh, who's used to playing around and running around and just doing whatever. But, you know, it was a big difference. He didn't want to play. He was he just he didn't seem like he had any kind of emotion. And um, so obviously we took him to therapy and it did wonders for him. He's and now he's just (laughs) as playful as ever. (laughs) Oh, I'm really glad that therapy worked for him. It can be so important for children. So how was um, finding childcare in COVID? So childcare was, um, it was, I won't say that it was really rough uh, because we had to try to get all this stuff in play. And COVID actually hit like after, uh, but because of the fact that there that uh, when COVID hit, a lot of workers just uh, just couldn't work. Uh, that made it a little more difficult. So um, I remember that his prime his primary uh, pediatrician, when COVID hit, uh, she wasn't taking anybody in. He couldn't be when. Uh, there was one time he actually got sick and I was, I panicked because I've never really had to deal with my son being sick by myself. I had no clue what to do. And uh, so my first thought was, oh, well, I'll just call his, uh, call his pedi- uh, pediatrician and she'd probably be able to instruct me or tell me to come in or something like that. But um, a lot of the hospitals, not even just that, a lot of the hospitals were just, they were just closed. Or they were just oh, yeah. uh, not taking people in right off. And so that made things a little difficult. But I did, uh, I was able to work through that uh, as hard as it was. Uh, now I, it's not as difficult, though. I remember having to have my child seen by the pediatrician in a full hazmat suit in the parking lot of oh, wow. the ER. Uh, so, and from my car window he was uh, diagnosed and then also given his um, just regular shots through the car window which now is not considered such a big deal but I wanted to make sure he didn't miss his shots and he was also a little a little bit ill so yeah my two toddlers and I got it was interesting to see our pediatrician in a hazmat suit coming outside to our vehicle yeah, so that was that was insane. I must say that um, even for myself, having two little babies, ages three and four, and one with special needs, mm-hmm. that um, they weren't allowing um, they were only allowing one parent to be with one child. So that meant, well, where is my other child gonna go when my my special needs child had so many procedures done in fall. It was like every two and a half weeks. So my wonderful mother actually had to drive two hours one way and Mm -hmm. she would drive sometimes back that night to go back to work multiple times so that she could watch little Matthew while Holt had his um, procedures done that were mostly all scheduled but you know he needed an MRI and a lot of other things and so that was a very hectic time for her and for us so I remember that 
I think it's so fortunate, right, that you were telling me that you have family that can help and watch um, your child. So give them a shout out for being amazing. It is my my mother, Sean. She is she is amazing. She is. I don't know if I could have gotten as far as I have um, being a single parent if it wasn't for her and my father. Um, His name is Julius. But they have, they have been the most supportive and amazing people. They're, they're always uh, there to give me any kind of advice because, you know, I'm, I'm still new at the parenting thing. Um, me and my fiance, this, is, this was our first child. This is the first time we've ever done anything like this. So we were already trying to kind of uh, figure out how to do this parenting thing you know we had ideas but we never knew how hard it would be but we were learning as we went and so now that it's just me um it's a little it's a little different um so because I'm I'm basically taking her part and my part and you know trying to do the best I can and of course I don't know everything she didn't know everything no no parent knows everything no but (laughs) but uh they have been like really supportive whenever I needed their help I'm sorry whenever I needed their help they came running and that's that that is so uh wonderful you know (laughs) to have them there and I have to also say that my in-laws have come multiple times and even though they live a round trip of five hours away, they've come and taken the baby for a few days at a time um, and wanted and wanted more days. Uh, but due to my child's therapy, they could only have so many days. So they have been really helpful to us and the babies. But it certainly is hard to be a single Black parent. Um I know you know, but it's like everything's on you instead of having that partner to talk to or get ideas from everything is on you and it is, you know, it's so difficult to deal with that when you had someone that was there with you to get help you through things so I, I definitely identify with like my child's sick, what do I do? Or, you know, my child is, um, I just wish I had that extra support. And even recently, um, I think you were talking to me about how um, Angelo got uh, got sick over the weekend, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so this past weekend, uh, he stayed with his, his grandparents. Um, Yesterday, actually, my mother called me and she told me that he was running a fever. Um, the fever started at 102.5, which is pretty high, and it rose to uh, 106.8. Oh. Now, uh, now, I don't know a lot about about uh, sicknesses or anything like that but I do know that a fever that high can usually especially for a child can start inducing seizures and yes. so of course naturally I'm extremely worried uh I rush over to the house uh, my mom is 
you know, she's she's wonderful. She, you know, put a ice pack on his head. She already gave him some medicine. He was sleeping. And so uh, the whole day I'm just I'm sitting there. I'm uh, asking if we should take him to the ER. And, you know, she's like she's obviously nervous, too, but she's wanting to see if this if the medicine would take effect of any in any kind of way, if it'll push the fever down, which it pushed it down a little but it was still too high for for uh, my comfort. So we did end up taking him to the ER, uh, which was extremely nerve wracking because I, I didn't know what was happening. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to heal uh, from losing the love of my life. And I don't think I would be able to bear it if anything happened to our son too. So- I yeah, so oh, obviously I, I was a nervous wreck, but luckily, luckily, his fever went down to normal to a, a normal temperature, I guess you could say, uh, ninety eight point seven, and uh, no, ninety seven, and he seems to be doing just fine now. Well, that's so really good. It's I'm extremely happy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's little, it's situations like that, um, that I have to try to find a way to prepare for, um, because when Alicia was alive and that is the name of my uh, fiance, when she was alive, um, she was able to kind of figure out what to do in certain situations when it came, when it came to sickness mainly because uh, she grew up pretty much raising her nephew. And so she's been through, she's been through, she, at least she has more experience than I have. I've never had to deal with children growing up. So learning this stuff is kind of, it's, it's, it's really new, but I, I, you gotta do it, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's so hard to just not know. Um, I I also don't. I I did babysat, babysit, et cetera, et cetera, when I was younger. But definitely, parenting is a whole new bar ballpark because, like, there's no real breaks. You're always concerned about your child, and um, the temperature thing is always a terrible thing. Um, right. Uh, we had little Matthew had a, a temperature, I think, um, a month and some ago that was pretty high. And actually, we went to the ER and all they gave us was a popsicle. So, and he was fine. So I was like, oh, great, a couple hundred dollar popsicle and he's great. But don't, but don't, but wait, hold on. Holt also got a popsicle. So there was some cost saving in there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Since there were two popsicles. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they both eat. That's right. That's right. So yeah, it's difficult to be it is difficult to be a single parent and not really know what to do or make of new and different things that happen. Yes, it is. It's 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 been quite a journey, I'll tell you that. Um, especially now. One thing that I have I have noticed, uh, being a single black father uh, with a son, things are 
a bit different for me. Um, mainly, I noticed that a lot of, a lot of, uh, I guess you could say, well, I guess that would but a lot of a lot of benefits are more uh, more tailored towards single mothers than they are than there are fathers. I, I'll tell you something. So um, this is a little bit before COVID. I went to the human the uh, the uh, health department to get a birth certificate for my son. Right. Um, because we had lost his, and I noticed that and I was the only one that went. And I noticed that when I uh, signed, when I had to sign the papers to get his birth certificates, a lot of the questions were more tailored towards a single mother than mm-hmm. a single father. And so it made it a little weird for me that, to answer them because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the mother. Right. But, yeah. Uh, so I had to ask multiple times on how to answer certain questions because, like I said, it was more tailored towards the mother and so uh the bigger questions i couldn't really answer because you know i'm I'm not the mother well technically i'm the mother and the father now but you know oh yeah for sure and also you know uh, i had talked to other single black fathers and a lot of the different activities for younger kids it's generally mommy and me and um or even fitness there, they have fitness groups and it's mommy and me fitness. It's not daddy and me. So a lot of the groups and the um, ways that moms might socialize are, are not actually, don't actually cater to, you know, single fathers. So that's another issue that's really difficult because you don't really have that tribe maybe as a single mom might have exactly it's 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 a little tough um and so you're really kind of dealing with uh, the fact that it's more commonplace for a single mother than a single father so i guess you could say a single a single father a single black father especially is kind of more of an anomaly because uh you know, you, you don't really see it all the time. As, and, yeah. so, and so a lot of things are more geared towards single mothers. And if not single mothers, like a complete family, but never a single father. Right. The different programs and all of the different things that we I talked about are definitely geared toward, toward moms. Uh, so I have recently heard that you're learning to cook. I am. And I'm proud of you. <laughs> I am. Now, um, in, in the relationship, obviously, um, Alicia was the cook. I knew nothing about cooking. I, I messed up boiling water. And that's that's not even being funny. I literally almost burned the house down burning water. I meant boiling water. <laughs> um, so I was banned from the kitchen. Uh, when she tried to teach me how to cook one other time, uh, we we had we had an issue with a knife and a uh, a cutter sheet. So that oh, didn't no. well. So I was banned from the kitchen yet again. Um, and so. 
my son is a really picky eater and oh, yeah it's just and that so, age you know <laughs> and so finding things that he will and won't eat is really difficult and it so is. at the same time you know I'm also trying to find stuff that I can eat because you know I'm not a cook and I don't want to eat fast food all the time and so I've uh recently started uh getting recipes offline mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and just kind of tr- testing it out you know seeing if I can do it and of course I've come up with some really amazing dishes that I did not think I would be able to do right <laughs> yes I um I actually used to cook um amazing Thanksgiving dinners and I could make some pretty great sushi I was Ooh. just I was I was I was I was getting there I wouldn't say that I was it all up to the calendar caliber of like my amazing mother-in-law who's just this wonderful chef um but I was working on it but once my husband died and my kids you know my husband died when I was five months pregnant I had a 10 month hole in my hip I definitely got out of practice and it just felt kind of pointless to cook for me when they couldn't eat it and with my I don't want to say that my children broke me (laughs) but when it came to foods and picky eating yes I generally make food that they'll eat and hopefully they will eat it um whole actually with his special needs had to be in feeding therapy for a while and has graduated I guess you could say from it but he still has like issues um, right. with certain foods and but even with any child some days you eat <laughs> and it's like you could serve them the same thing the next day and they'll be like whoa 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 <laughs> I have never seen that won't eat it and it's not happening so it is such a challenge to just feed our children just it is. the simple act and I just enjoyed the camaraderie of having people around the table and what was now that it's just me and two picky eaters it's so hard to really get in that kitchen and do something exactly exactly I I definitely identify with what you're saying (laughs) I completely understand it's like uh I'll, I'll just say you know since since Alicia died um you know the house has just been really empty especially when when my uh, son goes over to his grandparents house uh it's it's just lonely because you know with her with her there and you know my son there it was just a it was a full house we had fun we did things you know um yes but you know now it's 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 an empty it's an empty spot i do and it's, find it's myself tough. feeling um that solitude especially since my kids um they have one of my both of my children have had speech issues one is now a completely typical child and can talk to me and is doing great but my other son um even though he's four and a half has severe speech issues so they actually have twin speak even though they're not twins where they have their own little language And so sometimes it gets a little lonely. I literally have to tell my children, you know, wait, use your words. No, no, no. Use your (laughs) words. I can understand. (laughs) But it can can get very lonely at the house, um, you know, because my 
my kids are off in their own little world playing and having this great time and I'm loving interacting with them and stuff but sometimes they just want to play and then they'll look up when they're hungry <laughs> and they're mm -hmm. like mom eat <laughs> eat I go make us so, food yeah mom I'm wet <laughs> What you're supposed to be using the potty, boy. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I miss having another person in the house. I really do. I miss everything about it. You know, I miss things that I even used to complain about. Um, I miss that. And I don't know that I'll go back to ever having someone live in the house with me you know but mm -hmm. at the same time um I miss it and I feel mm -hmm. how you feel too because cooking right. kind of seems pointless if you're just cooking for yourself for and yourself. you know your child will eat it right exactly I um I actually tried I made a uh, pan seared uh salmon uh made it it looked pretty, it looked pretty, it tasted nice, it was really good, and it was my first time actually doing anything like that, and it, it kind of saddened me the fact that I, I was the only one there to eat it, you know, my son, he, he won't touch it, he wouldn't nope. touch it, and so uh, I'm eating it by myself, I'm like, oh, this is good, I wish I could have shared it with someone, but it's it's just me, you know, yeah, sitting there eating it. I think that's a common issue that most widows and widowers um, definitely go through struggle with yeah. is eating at the dinner, dinner table by yourself, uh, making yes. food and looking up and being like, I just wish another adult could just enjoy, enjoy this. this. Yes, exactly. And exactly. I know you're... Uh, your fiance would be so happy to see that you made salmon and didn't burn it and to share yeah. that with you that i cooked and the house is still intact <laughs> oh my god i didn't lose a finger i didn't burn anything up and the house didn't catch on fire yep, oh she would it's... be ecstatic <laughs> oh i know i know i know i uh, as i go through cooking for two picky eaters um i it, it's just it's just difficult but um sometimes yeah. i will make something amazing and it does it hurts when your kids won't eat what you make when it's especially good yes. but we just have to keep pressing forward and keep going for it you are absolutely right i um so um uh, that actually brought up um a uh I actually brought up a story. So there was, um, it was the last thing I made. I made uh, 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 tilapia, tilapia, and I made some kind of sauce for it. I just got it off of the internet and I made it. It looks really good. And I made uh, rice, uh, cheddar, broccoli rice. It just came in a pack and I made that. And uh, I tried to feed, I tried to give it to my son first because I made a lot of it. I tried to give it to my son first, of course, he, he wouldn't eat it. But he said something that was kind of interesting to me when I tried to give it to him. And uh, I never I never really said anything about this. But uh, he asked he asked me if mom, if mommy made it. Aww. And um, when he when he said that, I was I didn't know how to really answer because, you know, she was the cook. She was the right. cook in the house. And so he asked me if mommy made it. And I said, uh, no, daddy made it. 
And so after that, um, he, of course, didn't want to eat it. He <laughs> asked me, um, yeah, he, he knows, he knows. <laughs> but um, he had asked me, um, um, and this is this is this has happened before. He asked me when uh, mom, if mom, mommy was ever gonna come back. So um, situations like that are, are pretty tough because you know, in whole, I think he understands that mommy is gone. Um, I don't know if he completely understands that she will not be back. So I have to tell him that you know, mommy's an angel. Um, She's watching over us. She's making sure that we're all right. She's making sure that you're all right. And she gave me the ability to cook. So, <laughs> that so, was but, so, that was so great that she, <laughs> she gave you the ability to cook. That was amazing. To cook. Cause I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those, those kind of conversations can be, uh, a little tough to have and I'm and I know I'm gonna have more and more as he gets older um but uh but yeah like every now and again I'll get that question or you know my parents will get the get that question and then they'll have to explain to him you know mommy's gone you know she's watching over you in heaven and she's making sure you're safe and she's making sure daddy's safe you know so I, I get those questions. I get those questions every so often, but I try to I try to answer it to where he can understand, which it seems he does. Uh, but it's still pretty. It's still a pretty tough question to hear. Oh yeah, my um, three and four year old are definitely in that that time frame where they're starting to ask questions. Um, and so I will, as we leave the house, I point to a picture and I say, "It's a picture of my." late husband and I are wedding picture and I say who's that and little Matthew will say well that's mommy and I'll say well who's that and he'll say well that's dada and I was like does dada love you very much and he'll say dada does love me and I'll ask him I'll say so what happened to dada and he'll say oh dada got sick and dada died but he loves me and I'm very grateful that I was able to be that forward and and direct with him and teach him that so that he could have an understanding but he also never met my late husband because he passed away when I was five months pregnant with my second child so little Matthew his namesake um you know it's it makes me happy when he has a basic understanding but i know the the questions are coming exactly. um, the the difficulty is it's it's coming and um i he he'll say when he says that daddy died he'll get a very sad look on his face but children are really resilient and then, you know, a few moments later, he's back up to playing and he's doing well. So it's very difficult to have those frank conversations with our children. And of course, I also had that conversation with my older child, who's four and a half, but he has, again, speech issues. So he hasn't asked too much about Dada. He'll just point and say, Dada. So um, it, is, it is a whole new ballpark to navigate 
trying to help a child and help raise your child when mm-hmm. a spouse is missing. Exactly. And it and it's it's funny you said it's you said that. So um two stories. So uh every day, every day I pick my son up from daycare and then when he comes in the house, I have a picture of uh me and Alicia. And uh every day he comes in, he'll always say, Hey mommy to the picture. Uh he's actually put quite a few things there for her especially for Aww. like Mother's Day. He's actually got like yeah. quite a few things there. And um, and so whenever we go over to my in-law's house, uh, now they actually have her urn because right. she's cremated. And so he would actually, it's, it's in a curio cabinet uh, along with a lot of other stuff that she would like. It's actually mm-hmm. her uh, space. He would actually go to the, curio cabinet sit down and talk he would actually have he would actually talk to his mother and so every time he goes to the cabinet and opens the cabinet that's everybody's cue to leave so that he can actually have a conversation I'm I'm sorry I didn't mention that in the beginning I've gotten so used to him doing that but yeah he would actually go to the cabinet sit down and talk to her Oh, that's so wonderful that he's able to really honestly heal from that too. Um, yes. In in and talk to her. That's so wonderful. Yes, I I, I gotta say I'm a I'm a really lucky guy. I've um, I mean things have been tough, but there hasn't been anything that we haven't been able to pull through. And that's so great, Alex. I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk today because you are such an inspiration. And I'm so glad that you've been a part of our support groups too with Young, Black, and Widowed. Um, You are a wonderful addition and it's been wonderful talking with you over these last few months. And it is, I've got to say, this group has really helped me. so I'll, I'll say this, my, I've never been against therapy. Therapy has helped millions of people. And I mean, even my mother, she's went to therapy for, um, after my uncle's death, uh, she's had a couple of, she's had a couple of breakdowns. She started going to therapy for it and it's been helping her a lot. So I've, I would highly suggest that anybody that needs therapy please get it. It, it works. However, uh, for me, um, I prefer to speak to people who have been through similar situations as I have. That way they really understand where I'm coming from. And so uh, this group has been, it is, it has been phenomenal. I've met quite a few people and heard a lot of stories that are quite similar to mine and uh, we've all been able to have conversations. And it's it's one of the things I look forward to every week. Um, it, it keeps me sane. It keeps me good. It keeps me going. Just to know that, you know, I'm not alone. I'm not, you know, the only person that's feeling this kind of pain. And when I try to uh, speak on it to others who haven't felt exactly what, uh, who haven't gone through exactly what I've gone through, it, it, 
doesn't hit the same way as if I was to talk to someone who's been through exactly what I've been through. They've lost somebody really close to them, somebody that they love. And, you know, now they have to kind of navigate the world, you know, without them. And so um, this group has really been a huge help. And I really appreciate you, you know, inviting me into it. Oh, well, we're so glad to have you. And we're also so glad to have anyone who would like to join our support groups, whether you're a widow or a widower, we're all here together with so many similar things uh, going on in our lives. And if you would like to actually join our support groups, just look us up. You can find us at www.youngblackwidow.org. And we're on the Clubhouse app. And we always meet weekly at 8 p.m. We're Young, Black, and Widowed um, on Clubhouse. But we also have several uh, support support groups in addition to that going on across Clubhouse at different times as well. So just check us out and see what you think. We have very frank discussions. Uh, There's no subject like, well, today we're going to talk about X, Y, Z. We actually listen to how everybody's week has gone. And then generally from that, a subject emerges that we talk about. So it's very relaxed and inviting. And, um, you know, it's open to everyone. We've actually had people from who are widowed from Canada, Nigeria, Germany. And it's just so interesting to see all these people come together and yet still be dealing with the same issues and everything still translates even across, you know, international borders. So we love that. And we're so glad that you're a part of Young Black and Widowed support groups. And it has been an absolute joy to have you for these last few months. I've, I've enjoyed you guys too. You guys have been a major help for me. Thank you so much. Thanks, Alex. Um, Alex will actually be helping to lead a lot of our support groups. So if you are especially um, a single Black widower dad, and you are looking for support, please, please come to our support groups and get that support. We also have a helpline from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that number is 423-401-9274. And if you need to call or talk to us, if you'd like to message us, if you'd like to Facebook messenger us or message us through Instagram, we're always available, especially on holidays for anyone to have a listening, have someone give them just a confidential listening ear or ask certain questions about how things are going and what they should maybe do next. We can't tell you exactly what to do next, but we can give you a basic roadmap to get through what you're going through. So again, thank you so much, Alex. I loved having you on our podcast. Thank you for being a part of our wonderful group. I look forward to all the support groups that you'll be leading and being an inspiration to single Black widower dads everywhere. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Join our community. Through our nonprofit, it's free to call, text, email, or chat with a peer volunteer daily. Just visit our website, youngblackwidow.org, 